0: This is exactly right. Let's
1: settle in. How do I look from this angle? It's very odd. It's weird, right? We switched seats tonight.
0: I think it's good for the liminal space creative upset. Whoa. You know about that? No. There's, there's a- this thing. I can't. I talked about it. Oh, maybe it's on the other podcast. But I have seven podcasts. I'm sorry.
1: You have another? Oh, we, I didn't tell you? We haven't discussed that. So let's cut. Cut. Can we cut?
0: Um, there's a thing they call, it's the space that you get into when you're unsure um, or you're upset or like right after something shocking happens or whatever. It's, they call it liminal space. Ew. And when you're in that place, your brain is working like at peak at yeah. top performance. So that's why like when it, they, it's good if you're a creative person, if you get too comfortable in anything oh. or feel too secure, it's bad because then you can't like the, the thoughts don't come the right way. But if you, you know, like get into a thing like, that's why, like, sometimes in stand-up, when you're on stage, like, you know you're going to open with a couple of jokes, but then you go into Ooh. something new and weird because you can come up with something you didn't even know you were thinking of.
1: That's cool. So, as you're saying, stop going to the same cafe for me every day and ordering two scrambled eggs and a side of fruit and an Americano every single fucking day of my life. Well, I mean,
0: are you writing somewhere near there? Or, like... Yes. Yeah, I would. Or you could order something different or go to a different cafe. Just do something that will make you uncomfortable so that your brain works differently. I love it. I'm doing it. Getting out of a pattern. (laughs) Okay. And that's what this is right now, Georgia. (laughs) This this of you and I looking at each other from a totally different perspective. Yeah. We just
1: switch couches, couches, everyone. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal, actually. It is like from the very beginning. That's how we've done it. So this is
0: neat. I mean episode 37 it's going to be all about like the brand new thing. Also now we're talking about the Bible. So open <laughs> your There's so holy much murder books. in the Bible. <laughs> there really is. We should do a biblical episode. That would be that would be so boring. That would just put me back to, like, fucking Uh, grammar and high school. like,
1: ah, these stories again. I'm going to scream
0: my story at you, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to just, the whole story's going to be in caps at you. Like
0: the angriest nun in all of St. Francis Grammar School?
1: Totally. Okay. Um, This is our first, so I was thinking that this is our first episode back from, the last episode was a live episode. Yes. Which is so awesome it went really well right? it was
0: it went well which on to I can now tell you that I'm surprised are you serious? <laughs> yeah because I was like who the fuck knows what this is gonna be like yeah. you and I sitting here talking about stuff yes. we know what that with that amounts to but like having people react in real time and whether
1: or not they were going to I mean obviously if they were there they were slightly on board yeah but those people I'm not worried about it's like does it translate to like I'm gonna be totally honest I don't fucking listen to live episodes of podcasts no I don't either no way I'm like that that doesn't that doesn't translate I'm not gonna do that I don't want to hear you like pointing at things and talking about them and right Or, yeah, or just having a whole experience without me. Because in these, it feels like
0: when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, I'm there, too. Yeah. That's the whole fun of it, I think. Yeah. So, yes, I, but I was, I was just nervous and I kind of was like, I don't know. Are you nervous about
1: me because you've never seen me on stage before?
0: No, I'm too much of a narcissist to be nervous about you.
1: (laughs) I mean, let's i was like you're on your own okay
0: Sick, sink or swim
1: i gotta get mine you know what i think hmm. what if we added dave anthony permanently to the podcast well i we probably
0: shouldn't talk about this right now but dave i did a show with dave anthony the other night uh-huh. and he was like i think we should start doing like every three months oh my god we all we all do all our podcasts together that was like a That was great. And also, that was my sister's suggestion. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I swear to God, she's batting a thousand.
1: She was like, Dave was so funny on your show. I don't think I add a lot to the dollop. I just like laughing at whatever the fuck Garrett says. You do,
0: though. You do, but here's the thing. yeah, It's learning to elbow your way into comedy conversations. No way. Takes a a while. That's scary. It's scary, and also it's that thing of like, well, am I going to stop this? Is the thing I'm going to say Going to be worth it to stop what's totally. happening. Totally,
1: it's a really hard thing to do. Uh, interrupting people, especially people who are like like fucking legit comedians that have been doing this for years and years, is yeah. not my thing.
0: It's well, and also if you do it and it's like a
1: like a half tepid response, totally. it, it makes you never want to say anything and again. you like a stupid idiot. Yeah, when people would laugh. When I said something, I wanted to go hug and eat each and every one of them <laughs> <laughs> so much. You guys don't understand how hard this is for me. <laughs> but you did great. It didn't seem like you were having a hard Thank time you. at all. No, I had a lot of fun. <clears throat> uh, I you did just feel bad. Say fuck it. Once you're in the moment,
0: exactly. Well, and it's for fun. Those guys love you. So Dave nice. thinks you're fucking
1: hilarious. That's
0: oh so nice. Yeah. I can never say that to my face, but I appreciate it. No, no, he that. can't. Okay. He's got emotional problems.
1: <laughs> Everyone go, the dollop live, their last one, we're guests on it. So if you really fucking love the live episode. Yeah. That's, the, where we we were, that's how we warmed it up. That's how we heated it up. That, that was day. nice. Um, yeah. So the live episode, and that was awesome.
0: It was super fun. And also we get to meet a bunch of people, oh, which yeah. was very cool <gasps> afterwards, which I have to yeah. say, I went backstage because I was like, I don't want to meet people. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't think I'll be good at it. I don't like the idea of it. And then I I was standing back there and you were already talking to somebody. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, That's not allowed. And then the second I walked out, whoever the first person I was that talked to, I was just like, hey, what's going on? And they were so regular and normal. It wasn't like I had to do anything. It was just like having
1: a nice conversation with a person that was happy. I've had years and years of of experience of like, Talking to strangers because Ali and I do the like cocktail like food thing and you go to these like cocktail parties and food parties, and you have to fucking just talk to people and it's scary and hard, but the more you do it, the more you're just used to it, and it's not a big deal, yeah, especially strangers, but what was I gonna say? I don't I guess this would be a good oh and the, the episode before that was the Jean Bonnet episode, so it wasn't like a regular format that's right, so this is like the first time we've done a regular form, like we're back from, for a long time yeah from camp it's been
0: <laughs> that's right it's
1: been my legs are really tan <laughs> um my legs don't tan only my arms <laughs> and I'm burnt on the back of my neck it's weird and
0: I'm starting to wear this necklace all the time that I never wore before <laughs> you, you know a friendship
1: bracelet it's camp having?
0: stuff it's camp stuff
1: it's good luck when it falls off on its own you know those <laughs> fucking bracelets that people yep. like, oh fuck that's, you that's um, Kabbalah Oh, fuck you, Madonna! No, I just mean like when you go to some party and like, and it's like sponsored by a company, and they're like, "Put this bracelet on, and when it falls off, your wish will come true." (laughs) And I just like it's falling off when I rip it off of my fucking arm.
0: It always that stuff. That stuff always makes me want to go. Yeah. Well, since no wishes that I can think of, like stuff
1: like this, has ever come true, I I don't need your bracelet. I'm sorry, wishes aren't a thing. I'm sorry to tell you I'm this. I'm sorry to tell everyone. Karma you know Karma and wishes are not true. <laughs> oh god, everyone just hung up on the podcast. <laughs> like half the women just hung up on this podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mercury's in retrograde. What can I say? Wishes aren't true. It's not actually oh
0: well there's work. a at work there's a website called is mercury in retrograde and it either says yes or no <laughs> <laughs> and we look <laughs> it up all the time because people are constantly making that joke and then we're like
1: wait let's just check and see if it really so is you actually know? yes i just almost spit this drink out of my nostrils <laughs> when you said that. because it really is no because someone made that and i just love that that's such a great it's the best i love when people make simple hilarious stupid things um oh so speaking of live shows yes You guys, we have two that we can plug right now. You guys, since that first one went good, now we're going to do more. Yeah. We're spreading our seed all over the country. (laughs) Ew. Ew. (laughs) We're spreading our DNA all over the country. That's right.
0: Get ready to be impregnated by our our live comedy.
1: Um, Let's see. The first one that I'm like, it's cool because I feel like we should only pick places we want to go to. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, sorry, Indianapolis we're never. Ouch. I'm just kidding. I've never been there, but it's amazing. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, they're like, not us again. <laughs> Everybody always talks shit on us. So the first one is that we're doing the Chicago Podcast Festival, Yes. which I've been so excited to announce this because I fucking love Chicago. Who and there's actually Canada? some
0: people who knew and were like, I'm sorry, are you doing it or not? Yeah. And they were like, I, they were all that way on Twitter about it. So we finally, we waited. We had to wait until it was for sure. Yeah, you guys, there's legal shit that we have to. There's, oh my God, we have a team of attorneys. <laughs> They're the ones from the accidente commercials yeah. up on the back of buses. They actually
1: wait in my kitchen while we podcast. And anytime <laughs> something happens, it's like legally not okay. They like mention it, like pop their heads out. And yeah. And they all look exactly the same. Yeah. Elvis hates them. Um, okay. So Chicago Podcast Festival, Saturday, November 19th, 10 p.m. in the Athenium. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Main stage. You guys were doing a main stage. We're a main stage act. You know what I didn't think about at the, the LA PodFest? Is like I, I'm not good at numbers, so like I see that crowd and I'm like, oh, there's like a hundred people here. And then you were like, there was 450 people there, and I was like, no, there wasn't, because I can't deal with it. Yeah. So this this place holds Uh-oh. 950 people. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Sorry, should I not have told you that? I'm freaking out. Well, I would have found out anyway. Like, I don't. I feel like I should tell our guy who books us. Joe is amazing. Don't tell us the number of seats in the auditorium because I can't fucking know exactly or see how many seats are empty what if he's like
0: I did book you in Indianapolis and you're playing where the Colts play there will be 30,000 ah! people
1: <laughs> what do you think the most we're ever gonna like perform in front of will be like in this li- in the lifetime of this podcast before we both implode? I think we may have peaked at
0: 450 and
1: then it's going straight back down <laughs> um yeah I can't deal with numbers this is 150 like 150 people right nope it was an intimate crowd yeah it was a good little like it was like one of those like cordoned off wedding reception rooms. halls it was like a very um
0: static electric carpeting type of room
1: yeah like banquet chairs for all (laughs) (laughs) uh so yes we're chicago
0: get ready yes we're excited to come and see you oh it's some chicagopodcastfestival.org.org
1: um and then we're doing uh, like our own this is like the first this is the first show we actually like put together ourselves, yes, before we like even thought to do live shows
0: was the bell house, yeah, yeah, so we're also doing the bell house in Brooklyn on December eleventh right mm-hmm. It's a Sunday it's a Sunday, yeah, and um it's uh come the- and see us there if you live in Brooklyn and you like this and stuff like that, please do
1: I don't think that the l train is going to be shut down yet, so you, you can come in if you're from Manhattan. Did you see my like my knowledge of? Yeah, that was good. People that'll appeal
0: to New right? Yorkers because they're gonna be like, she's local.
1: Oh, she knows her shit. She so knows her shit. The com. and I think for all our shows, we're gonna have a guest, right? Like, a yes, either with the way us the we whole had- time. Yeah, like the way Dave did it. We might have a guest in Chicago. We've been like told that it's possible.
0: Oh yeah, that's like a don't say it'll a rad secret surprise guest that. I guarantee will make you happy.
1: It's like... It's not like a comedian. It's like a human person.
0: Yes, it's not w-
1: It's not an alien. No. It's not a dog. <laughs> not a cat. Elvis is not coming. We should bring that painting that you gave me at the... We should bring it everywhere, everywhere we, we go. Everywhere we go. Um, oh, yes. T-shirts. So Chicago, New York. T-shirt report? T-shirt report. We have to... Uh, yeah, T-shirt report. Sorry, you guys. This is so much housekeeping but it's been the, it's the first time back do not do not apologize Fuck, god apologize. I'm sorry I forgot to apologize. okay uh, <laughs> my favorite murder shirts.com it's happening Kat Solon our friend who's a director is a true crime enthusiast fucking talented shit person I begged her to make us a new design for our shirts and she did it and they look freaking incredible they look like an old like 1960s Pulp Fiction book cover and I'm so happy with them they're we're really gonna, cool we're gonna keep posting new sayings and people can vote for what the, the sayings they want it to be oh did you know did you see the what they voted for they voted for fuck politeness to be the next one nice yeah cool cool uh, yeah anyways Yeah, I didn't know there was voting going on. I just fucking decided one day. Sweet. You went totally rogue? Sorry. Hot. I was going to pass it by you, of course. I don't. Please. Okay.
0: I mean, of all the things I try to care about, (laughs) vote away. (laughs) I feel like we talked about that a while ago. Yeah. But I just didn't. I feel like I'm missing out on life. If there was any tone in that, it was not toward you. It was... Um, I'm spending a lot of time, and this is not a complaint because no, I love my job, yeah. but it's the kind of thing where every once in a while, like, I'll pick up my phone and look at email and I'll watch you talking to all these people where I'm just like, thank fucking God. <laughs> because... But I'm a
1: control freak and just deal with... Sh- like, I
0: mean, just, I'm very grateful for you. you ha-
1: thank you. You have a hard job. I can't wait to have you for myself again. <laughs> and we can go get tuna fucking melts at Cafe 101. For real. It's and been like, so long. I can pick your fries out and eat all your fries. <laughs> you can have all the fries. I can't eat fries I anymore. Can't? Oh, yay. Good. I can't wait until you're free again. Oh, I'm happy man. and I love your job and I'm so happy for you and it's great. <laughs> Fuck. I'm lying. I fucking want you for myself and I want my favorite Listen, to be the only thing that matters in your life.
0: I mean, that would be nice. <laughs> um, it will be. But, it, but it's also cool because it's, it's whatever. It's nice to have a job that yeah. actually takes up all my time and brain. But then it's then there's things like that where just like oh is
1: that what's happening? Good. I love that Daddy has a job, but we miss Daddy at home. (laughs) Daddy wants to come home. (laughs) That's what I'm saying.
0: Um, Okay. our friend Jamie Lee has a podcast that we were on called The Best of the Worst, and it's on iTunes. Jamie is from Girl Code. She's a hilarious stand-up comic. She's amazing. And her and her husband uh, Dan Black do a show. and it's awesome, but we this was a while ago, yeah. so it's kind of like early days of this podcast. And we all talk we talk about John Binet.
1: Yeah, they're big uh, true crime f- freaks. I it, know. One time, Dan cornered me at a party, not cornered me, like talked to me at a at his own party, and was like, "What do you think, John Binet?" Like, and I was like, "Well, this is great because I don't want to talk to anyone else." And then we just <laughs> talked about John Binet for a while, and then we just did it on stage. Instead. It's perfect yeah. for
0: parties. Um, yeah. So they have they. To record this show and it was super fun and uh, um, there's also other great people on it um, Heather McDonald who is from Chelsea Lately mm-hmm. and Astrid Pavitsky's on it I believe. She's a doll Margaret Cho and Margaret's on it right? right. Um, so that's a really good episode so uh, go listen to that. Yeah best of the worst. And hey let's take a, a quick pee break and then get started. Great.
1: made in that's m-a-d-e-i-n cookware.com goodbye is it I'm smelling something that's weird oh okay should we talk like no not toast roses not almonds not roses okay
0: can you see the virgin mary let's yeah let's she's right forward. here
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> Are we? can we record real quick okay uh are you okay I keep smelling maple syrup. I took a nap. I woke up and I can't stop smelling maple syrup. Ooh. I mean, it's great, but it's freaking me out a little bit. Should we look up what that means online? Yeah. Wait, did you... What did I
0: eat today? Maple syrup. Is that like, um...
1: I wonder if that's like a a medicine thing. Are you taking medicine? That's weird that you say that because I went to an acupuncturist today for my back bullshit and she gave me some herbs, but they tasted like dirt and cow shit. Yeah. So I don't think that that smells like maple syrup. I need to tell you. Oh. What? Oh, no. (laughs) What is it? Did you look this
0: up too? Oh, no.
1: What is it? Um, You're you're
0: dying. The first thing I put in smelling M-A and it said smelling maple syrup (gasps) immediately. You're um, an angel, and this is the first thing that came up. Maple syrup urine disease is a rare inherited <laughs> metabolic disorder. The body cannot break down am- certain amino acids, and individuals who have the disease produce urine that has a distinct. I t- wish maples. that were true. That's
1: not it. That's absolutely not it. You're not
0: smelling your own maple syrup pee. It's not pee. Um, yeah. Then there's like cities that have smelled like it. What the fuck? Uh, someone's they? sweat smells like it. Oh, I wish that were true. Have you had Chinese food? Because there's fenugreek, which is found in Chinese food. Oh, that's probably where the herbs are from. Chinese medicine. Oh, maybe fenugreek is in there. Oh, that's totally it. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, also, they say it's a symptom of diabetes, but that's <laughs> if you smell like it, not if you smell it. Um, if you have sweet breath, it smells like maple oh, syrup. Oh, I
1: absolutely don't have sweets. Pea smell or sweet breath smell or sweet sweat smell. It's Sorry. just
0: on on what? Reddit. What? it says? Why do my This has just came up. Is why do my wife's hands always smell like maple syrup?
1: Aww. um does she work at Denny's?
0: <laughs> Let's put it together through context She works foods. at Waffle.
1: Why does it always smell like uh, artificial maple syrup?
0: Everything is smell-like, not smell. Okay, well, then... Been- Ooh, wait. <gasps> Yahoo Answers, which always is a good animation oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and some good, crazy, like, people who English is not their mother tongue. <laughs> uh, why do I keep smelling maple syrup? Oh, this person says smelling and craving maple syrup. Oh. Here's the best answer. Sometimes we smell weird things. <laughs> I smell boogers sometimes <gasps> if I have sinus issues. Smelling vomit is weird. This is the best answer on Yahoo Answers. No, 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 no. This is is why I love the internet. This is the best of the internet. Chicken soup smells and tastes like vomit to me.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) This has been weird fucking corner with Karen in Georgia, (laughs) where we talk about our weird ailments. Someone said, any chance you're pregnant? (gasps) No. Uh, That's what the second one says. Are you fucking kidding me? But it doesn't have any upvotes, and it has one downvote. Am I pregnant? Guys, there's no way. I'm a barren fucking landscape of <laughs> sadness and cactus and fucking tumbleweed in my womb. Anyway. Oh you what if you a little snake baby? <laughs> it's a a little rattlesnakes. Of snakes. <laughs> this isn't mine. I'm terrified of these things. Um uh, that's been Weird Corner with Karen and Georgia. It's been the whole podcast. Um all right. Well, now that we got that settled,
0: <laughs> Do you, and, and now you just have seven extra fears. <laughs> yeah. Um, Perfect. So let's see,
1: who went first four episodes ago? Oh my god! <laughs> I want to say, I don't care. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, whatever you want. I'll it's go. your choice. Okay, I'm gonna go. Okay. Is that rude? No. Okay. All right. So this one actually, speaking of Kat Solon, who made our shirts design, she sent this to me, and I'd never heard of it, and it's oh like nice, pretty bananas. Okay. Me. All right. So we start with 19-year-old Ruth Talia Sayas. Sayas. Let me start with. We start with 19-year-old Ruth Talia Sayas. She was raised on the outskirts of the capital in a working-class area of Peru. So outside of a working-class area of Peru. And she was studying at a local university and she lived with her family, like normal girl, cute girl, regular 19-year-old. On Saturday, July 12th, 2012 she was the very first contestant on the new reality show that was like a quiz show called el valor uh, de la verdad which is translated to the value of the uh, truth mm-hmm. you knew that i just wanted to guess because i <laughs> i've never taken spanish Me neither. But uh, i know what verdad means verdad. so it's a new quiz reality quiz show that's just come to peru Um, the show's premise is that a contestant is asked a series of personal questions like during an interview a private interview with a production company or the producers Uh, varying seriousness the questions and they're hooked up to a fucking polygraph okay so the contestant is later asked the same questions but in front of a crazy studio audience and it's like um, what's that uh, The Money Show Do You Want to Be a Millionaire? Who wants to be a million? Yeah it's like mm-hmm. that kind of seriousness level with okay. like lights and shit. Um, so they're given their questions again and their answers are uh, voted w- like by the polygraph whether they're true or not. okay So for each truthful response that they give they win money. If they lie a- according to the polygraph test, they lose all the money they made so they can keep going with questions and if they're correct, and they are not lying about them. They win money. And the, per- the questions get more and more personal as the show goes on. And the uh, contestant has the option of calling it off after each answer. So if, sh- if they've only won a certain amount, they can be like, and they've answered like some really personal question. They can be like, I'm done. Um, so she's the very first contestant on this show, this little 19-year-old university student. And she went on because she wanted to open a salon and she had already saved a ton of money, but she needed the money from the show to bring her closer to buying that salon. Um, And she was like, okay, making a spectacle of herself to get the money. So every contestant gets to bring on or has to bring on three guests to the show who are like sitting there being interviewed and filmed the whole time she's answering these personal questions. So she brings her parents uh, it's Liancio Lien- and Vilma and they're like sweet baby angels. I watched, I watched it. Um, and he, the dad said that he was afraid of what I might learn about my daughter. Ooh. Uh, when he was introduced, but they were all jovial. They were all like, you know, this is going to be fun. We're going yeah, to yeah, yeah. win some money. No one thought it'd be that insane. Cause they thought their daughter was like a normal human being. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, sh- you know, sure. So The third guest was her boyfriend. Um, Brian Leva he was a 20 year old cab driver he was raised down the road from talia and he'd stuttered since an old boyfriend of his mother had pushed him down the stairs when he was only 8 so he's just like this normal dude but he had a stutter Um, the host says you seem nervous what are you so nervous about and he said that she may have cheated on me and he was like very stone faced and like clearly nervous through the whole show so here are the questions, some of the questions she was asked. Have you ever skipped school without your mother's knowledge? If you found 1000 souls, would you return them? Souls? Uh, it's like it's oh, the money. money, yeah. So she revealed that she <laughs> 1, had n- 1000 wandering souls. <laughs> yeah. No. Would you return them to their homes? <laughs> she revealed she had a nose job and that she didn't like her body and that she wished she was white and that she was only with her boyfriend Brian until someone better came along. <gasps>
0: The one that was there, the cab driver? With
1: the stutter. Yeah. And that she was ashamed of her parents' manners and that she didn't actually work at a call center like they thought. She danced at a nightclub. Oh, shit. Here we go. Here we go. So the mom is begging her to stop. And at one point, Brian says, I don't want to hear anymore. The boyfriend. So, okay. We're at question number 18. And she had one. At this point... With this question, she would have won the equivalent of 15000 U.S. dollars, which is uh, almost 10 months wages. Wait, no, 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 I'm sorry. She could have won up to 15000 U.S. dollars. At that point, she had won $5,300, which was almost 10 months wages in Lima. With this question, she'll win this. The question number 18 was, have you ever accepted money for sex? And she answers yes. Uh uh-huh. hmm and the polygraph confirmed that it was true. And she says just twice, we needed money. We were in a bad situation. It hasn't happened since, and it won't happen again. And her parents are like crying and like clearly shaken badly. It's fucked up, man. Um, she said, so at that point she's like, I'm done. I'm not going to win up to 15,000 us dollars. I can't do this anymore. I mean, I wonder what the other questions were if that was like, that was the one that was only fifteen or five thousand dollars. Yeah. What were the other questions? Who knows? She says at the end, "My mother, my father, my brother, and sister are the most beautiful things in the world to me. I love them all with all my heart." Brian, forgive me for making you go through this. And as the credits roll, she goes down on her knees before them and begs them for forgiveness. Her parents. What the fuck? Yeah. What kind of game show is this? Yeah. So the show finally aired on Saturday, July 12th. Huge fucking hit, like becomes number one. And she becomes like kind of a celebrity in that world, but not like in a good way. She's just like talked about all the time. And Brian, her boyfriend, becomes a public fool. Uh. And the Peru in Peru, like machoism is such a big thing. And he was humiliated in front of all these people and people, um, people in the small town recognize him and kind of humiliate him and he's like fucking broken. Wait and-
0: sorry but did she get any of that money?
1: Yeah. Okay. She got all the money. She won what she like yeah. she at least got paid <laughs> She for- stopped. So she stopped after that true question. Okay. So she was she wasn't lying about having had money had sex for money. So she stopped at basically our equivalent of $5,300. Okay. Um so he's being followed around by like uh, by the media and being asked all these questions someone asked him how he felt about making being made a fool and he said I'm ashamed all the things I learned on that show how would you feel and the news person said but they say that if you love someone you can forgive them and he says depends on what they did the things she said that day I can't forgive but then in other interviews he says that it had all been a setup that he and Ruth Talia had broken up months before the taping And she had asked him to pretend to be her boyfriend on TV and that she'd share the money with him. Mm. And he hadn't given her any of the money. So it sounds like he's making this shit up to make himself sound a little bit better, right? Yeah. Because he's so fucking humiliated. Yeah. Eight weeks after the premiere of the show on September 11th, 2012, Ruth Talia disappears. Uh Mm Uh-huh. So crazy media circus, all the news programs covered it in Lima. But one of the hosts called her the prostitute of El Valor uh, de la Verdad. Like she was known as like a whore and nobody cared about it because of that. And her parents had to like beg to get media attention and get this covered and to try to find their daughter. Eleven days after the disappearance, police find a body of a young woman buried in a well and covered by rocks and concrete on a piece of land on the outskirts of Lima. And that land belongs to Brian's uncle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So later that day, oh my God, this is so fucked up and there's video of this. So the, the, the media and the, fa- the mother, I'm sorry, the father and the sister are at the site where they're excavating trying to figure out if it's their, their sister and daughter. And the dad is on the phone on his cell phone like, crying and it's awful and it turns out that it is her Mm -hmm. and he's just like losing it and if you're sensitive you shouldn't watch him break the fuck down then a reporter and her cameraman go to the home where Vilma the mother is sitting vigil with some of her friends Mm -hmm. and doesn't yet know that it was her daughter that was found and the reporter says she gave her her condolences and realized she didn't know about it and then the reporter said ma'am they found your girl so this fucking reporter told her which is so ugly so brian's brought in for questioning and he confesses he says that he called ruth talia as she was leaving school and they made plans to meet up he says i waited for her by the bridge she got into my motor taxi and i said let's go have some wine she says okay and they went to his house his apartment that he rented and they had sex and then afterwards they started to fight and she says she tells me I don't know what I'm going what I'm doing with a poor motor taxi driver and he says that's when I grabbed her by the throat and that he admitted that he choked her for 30 seconds or more and he says I thought she had passed out I listened to her heart I didn't hear anything I grabbed her and shook her but nothing I got scared And during the trial, Brian's lawyer tried to pin the blame on the TV show, saying uh, that they had humiliated him. And so uh, Beto Ortiz, who's one of the most famous television journalists there, they called him to testify. Mm. So it was later found that the majority of his confession was false. And there was a witness who was a young boy from the neighborhood. And he said that the night she disappeared, Brian had paid him 50 souls to let him know when Ruth Talia got off the bus, and he said he had seen Brian and another man force her into his motor taxi. Uh. And the court determined that Brian's accomplice was his uncle, uh, who owned the property where her body was found, and the motive was robbery. And they had tried to get Ruth Talia's bank security code so that they can get the winnings from the show. Oh, uh, for themselves, and they were both sentenced to life in prison. So then the second season of El Valor de la Verdad was, uh, they only had celebrity contestants because they said they can deal with the media, which is like, uh-huh. how could you even have a fucking second season? But at least that's that. And, uh, oh, I wanted to say that a lot of this information, and it's really hard to find information. I mean, there's no, this isn't like a story i would ever heard about before. So the California Sunday Magazine by uh, Daniel Alar- Alarcon, he wrote this really great story about it. And that's where I got a lot of this information and then all over the internet as well. That is fucking crazy. Dude.
0: The idea, the idea that that show continued
1: on after the first contestant was murdered. I mean, that's intense. Remember when Jenny Jones, the Jenny Jones show that a lot of young people won't remember was like one of those like nineties talk shows like Jerry Springer had on like a it was like a confession episode of I'm in love with you and a guy brought on his friend and and told this guy that he was gay and he was in love with him yeah and the guy he told shot and killed him yes I do know that story because my old boss was one of the EPs on that show and had to
0: go to court (gasps) Mm hmm that was like a huge scandal at telepictures how heartbreaking the company for that no it was horrible and it's that kind of thing of like what's the line when you're producing TV yeah. everything is two numbers Who, butts and seats eyes on screens how do you do a show that's going to make people watch it and especially in those days of like the early days of Springer yeah. and Jenny Jones, like, we and all a that hit. shit. Let's yeah. just keep going with that. But also, why did they have a hit? Oh, they had a hit because it's a girl who is exposed that it wasn't hit. That's not the baby daddy, and blah blah blah. Now they're in a fist fight and all that shit. And like that was the norm. So like yeah. you had to, you had they were trying to think of shows and produce shows. That were exploiting s- people. The most exploited. Well,
1: the article, scandalous. the article I got a lot of this like basic information from, uh, was really interesting. So the show that this the the article that this is from, where they talk a lot about the actual show and how much it had to do with it and what like about uh, reality shows in Peru was called The Contestant from California Sunday Magazine, and so they talk a lot about that. And it's just like, I mean, who? who would agree to say those things but if you're in a poor fucking city and you need money i mean you'll do anything exactly it's total
0: exploitation of people and and also that is such an ugly version i think there was an american version of that show and it wasn't on for very long oh i didn't know that because you can't the the nature of a show like that is Is scandal. So, like, if people are admitting things that no one gives a shit about and no one wants to talk about and that
1: aren't, that isn't like borderline, then you don't have a good show. And they're not going to find someone who's like, no, I've never had, never got paid for sex. Nope. I work in this place. You know, they find the most.
0: Yes. They are only going to have
1: people on there that are
0: going to tell them what they want to hear and, and more so. Yeah. The, one of the weirdest things that I ever experienced in working in television is there is this very strange subset of people and if you work in casting in, like any kind of reality version of television, you know there are people who try to get on every single show. Yeah, and they're not. It's like if it's a show about couples, they'll submit for that. If it's a show about, um, you know, what I mean? whatever the fuck it is, they like want to. They want to be on TV matchmaking
1: so, or whatever the fuck they'll do. Yeah,
0: and they'll try to like they know TV well enough to know that they have to be interesting in certain personality types and. And because it's a, it is a good way to make money if you, you know, if you're the right person. But, but then obviously, don't you just get
1: one chance? Yeah, you would think.
0: But I mean, these are people that are just like, well, we'll go over here. Well, we'll try to be on the Amazing yeah. Race. Well, we'll try to be on the Marriage Ref. We'll we try to be on this. And that's what ha- when I worked on the second season, of the Marriage Ref, there was this one tape where they were like. Brought us down to casting because they're like, you're never going to believe what you're about to see. And it's like this weird couple that, like, it's uh, there's sexual overtones where you're like, this is they don't know that this is inappropriate. That, like, oh, this no. isn't going to get them. It's just this weird shit. And one of the people in that casting department was like, oh, yeah, we th- we had them. They tried to be on whatever show she had worked on before. Whoa. And it's just, like, these people that are kind of, like, we know we're kind of interesting and kind of
1: weirdos and that that works. Yeah, we're, we're very different and we're wild and let's get on fucking television. People just want to get on television. Do you see that the real world this season is, like, everyone thinks they're just going on the real world, but... Th- for each con- each person on the real world, they find their like enemy, uh, and they have to live in the house too. Uh, and it's like this show is interesting enough if you cast it well. These right. people are just going to make their own fucking. But and then you, can you edit come it back and say because no one's watching TV yeah. anymore,
0: so they don't have good ratings. So it's not interesting enough to make a ratings hit. Yeah. And that's all anybody cares about. And because all of television is owned by like four companies, yeah, they have this insane grasp on the money who gets the money The story is like nobody has any money but that's actually not true they're yeah. making millions of dollars because even in like a depression people still watch tv people totally. still you know advertising still works but it's like it's this it's really sick and crazy that kind of shit where you like that thing where you're watching tv and you're just like oh this doesn't i don't feel like who i'm seeing is what i'm really seeing yeah so the idea that your story is about a person who actually did the thing
1: a real person and suffered by it yeah but she i don't know if she felt it didn't seem like she was i mean i guess she she was kind of embarrassed and stayed at home a lot but it's like she didn't seem like she was, she seemed like confident about having done it for the right reason, or for the reason, which was to make her life better, even though she like, you know, tore her family apart. Yeah. Well, you'd think
0: that that, that makes your life way worse. Yeah. Also being murdered. Yeah. I mean, there, because that shame, shame is the thing people can't deal with. Oh, Jesus. No. Sh- shaming people, especially like you were saying, like, like it, that culture where men have to be men, you can't come out and be like, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I do this which is like, you know. Yeah. Not in a judgmental way of that person's lifestyle, but this is like a cultural thing of where women are supposed to be like wives and mothers and especially here
1: and in Peru, I feel like it's you're not supposed to That's not it's like so much less accepted and understood than it is here as it is here. Well, crazy. Fuck. Crazy, right?
0: I mean, <clears throat> That's the thing too when you were saying like you should you should watch it cuz he's all upset or whatever. I would never watch that. No, it bothered me a lot. I
1: never watched that. It's the fact that the cops didn't keep him away from the from the cameras is upsetting. Like his daughter, his other daughter tries to shield his face a couple times, but there's nowhere to turn. Like yeah. there's cameras on every on every single angle of this man telling someone on the other line that they found his daughter like there's nowhere for him to go to get out of the fucking out of the camera that's disgusting it's really sick and sad and then the woman who uh told the mother inadvertently the reporter yeah the reporter she quit uh doing news after that wow yeah yeah there's a thing in this article someone's life yeah like to get that story here we're like go talk to her now go up to the room after she started crying And trying to get a conversation with her, and she and there's like some quotes in her from in this article. It's like how awful she felt and that she quit. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. No. Yeah, you don't want to sell your soul for one paycheck. Uh. Uh. One byline. Okay. her promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. You ready for your murder? It's uh, the yes. same one?
0: Uh, yeah. Turns out... <laughs> <laughs> Mine is the... um. Uh, shit, I can't think of the... What's the Howie Mandel show with all the suitcases? <laughs> what? Ugh. Suitcase number seven.
1: Is what's that still on?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so either. I was going to try to make a joke about that, but... <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what it's called and What's I don't in care. The suitcase? What's in the suitcase? You know that show, What's in the Suitcase? <laughs> All right. So I picked um, my story this week. Actually, my sister suggested this, our number one fan, <laughs> our newest and number oneest fan. Um, and she suggested it because when i was in high school when i graduated from high school she had gone to the jc for two years so by the time i was ready to go to college she was too and so we both went to sac state which Cute. is sacramento state university it was precious um uh so we li- both lived moved to and lived in sacramento for like the same amount of time and i've of course talked massive shit about sacramento <laughs> on <this podcast. laughs> wonderful things happen there but not to me. <laughs> um, and so near the end of right before I moved back home b- with my parents, um, as a abject failure uh, in my early 20s, I lived in this house on F Street and it was in this weird like Sacramento's weird because as you go downtown closer to the Capitol, it's like all the old houses are old victorian's and stuff. Ew. And some of the streets are really gorgeous but the neighborhood itself is really bad. And it's a very strange combination because it doesn't look like it should be bad. But then there's like we the, one night in this apartment across the street, there was an empty lot that people would just dump garbage in. Oh my God. And two homeless people got into a fight and one of them was beating the other one with a vacuum cleaner what that someone f- had dumped in this empty lot. Oh my god! It was like that kind of area, yeah. and it was a horrible time in my life because I had flunked out of college. I think I worked at like two different cafes, so mm-hmm. I was making like five dollars an hour. I remember
1: those days. And
0: you like you couldn't get any hours, so yeah. you were just like always just scraping together money. I remember at one point we would we would rent a VCR. From the video store, we did that when I was a kid too. Yeah, because we didn't have one, totally. but we'd be like, "We, I want to watch a movie." Um, oh my god, it was like I totally just dark, that. and then it was also summertime in Sacramento, so it's always 110 degrees. Oh, so everything's just awful Sucky. in a s- special way. Also, at the time, um, the person I was a room- roommates with, um, she she had this friend. I think she was from high school, and together they were two of the most annoying people. Like (laughs) I'm surprised I didn't try to punch one of them because it was like this obnoxious like like hard girl act but like but it was like the the sacramento version yeah. so there's a country element to it and it was really like just kind of ignorant and yeah. rude the kind of girls that are like i don't get along with other girls exact yeah oh i only like guys or yeah. it's like well then go fucking hang out with some guys yeah. and get away from me Um, there was, yeah, it was a lot of that kind of stuff where like they'd come home at four in the morning from a club and like knock on the door and be like, let me in. (sighs) Uh, It was just, everything was, I was livid. I was either livid or scared to death all the time. Oh my God. So it turns out, come to find out living in this apartment for a little while that somebody who came over, put it together and goes, don't you realize that that is door- two doors down is Dorothea Puente's house? <gasps> Who's Dorothea Puente? Well, Dorothea Puente is the old lady in Sacramento <gasps> that got caught. She ran a boarding house for old people and like handicapped people and it turned out, oh my god, that she had been murdering yeah, them, taking had. their social security check, taking it across the street the dive bar that was so scary, we never even tried to
1: go there. Holy shit! Who doesn't go to a dive bar, w- especially a couple of drunks like us? <laughs> would have been in there oh in a my- second. Those dive and- bars that you're like, oh, this isn't a quaint dive bar. This is a this is s- yeah white slavery. Me, this dive is bar.
0: this is bad news. B- like serious bad news. Yeah. Like it might as well be on the docks, but somehow it's across the street from our apartment. <laughs> is it still there? I don't know. Oh God, I oh b- I doubt it is, though, because yeah. I bet you with the way that architecture was, yeah. they probably gentrified that whole area, sure. I would think. Um, but it was like a scary, it was very scary area. So, so Dorothea Puentes basically, I'll tell you. So here's her story. Let's hear it. Um, she had a very sad childhood when she was eight. Her father died of tuberculosis. And the next year, her mother died in a car crash. Fuck, those are like two of the
1: worst ways to die.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> So she was in an orphanage for a little while, and then eventually she had to go live with family members in Fresno. Oh, no. It just gets sad. That's
1: one of the worst places to live. I mean, so uh, in 1945,
0: when she was 16, she got married for the first time. Mm. Um, So she had between 1946 and 1948, she had two daughters one she went sent to live with relatives in Sacramento and the other one she go up for adoption Bye. so she was not um able to deal with any kind of family situation yeah. at all She's a and kid. i think she definitely has some kind of mental Disorder as you yeah. will see, so I'm sure she probably had it then. Being a 16 year old newlywed mother, yeah, who had I'm grown sure up in an
1: orphanage, not good, who had two huge traumatic experiences when she was young with her parents dying back to back, back to back. So, yeah, fucked. Um, that
0: husband that married her when she was 16 left her and uh left her in 1948, like a couple years later, so mm-hmm. um. She started telling people he died of cancer, um, so oh no, sorry, died of a heart attack uh, a couple days after they got married. So it was like even more tragic for her. Yeah. So she's also in throughout this. It's like she's basically a compulsive liar. Yeah. Um, and she started forging checks, uh, which she ends up doing th- throughout her life. That's kind of her forte. That's her favorite. That's her favorite crime. Such a weird crime. It's super weird and the funny thing is that they, you get caught and then you get sentenced for like a couple years yeah. and you get out because it's nonviolent, and it's I don't know, maybe it's kind of arty.
1: So they're like, no, oh, alright. It's you, such a weird You th- paid your dues. Like you hear about so many people who are like they never had a violent offense, they just forged checks and it's like, well that's, I would never think to do that.
0: It's still a crime, I mean. Yeah.
1: You might have great penmanship and
0: all. Sure. But you're still a criminal. Uh, in 1960, she base and then she remarried a Swede named Axel Johansson, which fuck got, you know that that was a party. Oh yeah, waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. Of course, a, a violent alcoholic. They God, were married for it, fourteen Axel. years, um, and then they ended it. And then, eight years later, or sorry, um, during that marriage, two years before she got divorced, uh, she was arrested in a brothel, and she told the cops that she was there visiting a friend.
1: Uh huh.
0: Um we don't know what is true about that. One of the articles I read said that she ran the brothel. Oh
1: fuck.
0: But um it seems more likely since uh she only she was arrested and served 90 days. I think she was probably just there um either visiting her friend or visiting yeah. some friends. Whatever you might. Yeah. Do. Running a brothel ain't an easy task. That's a big job and you don't just you don't just bail. No. At the first arrest. So what she ended up doing is going into, she became a nurse's aide and she started caring for the disabled and the elder, elderly in well, private so homes. So she turned her life around. Well, you would like to think that was End w- of story. You know. Yeah, end of story. Um, so in 1982, so she did that for a while. In 1982, her 61-year-old friend and business partner, Ruth Monroe, um, who was living in, so Dorothea had this house on F street is this big Victorian two doors down from Karen Kilgariff two, do- two doors down from the future um, miserable home of <laughs> miserable Karen Kilgariff. Um So there was an upstairs apartment that she would rent out. So she rented it out to Ruth Monroe and they were business partners, which I guess means that they were working together, taking care of old people and disabled people in private homes. Okay. Um, but Ruth died from an overdose of codeine codeine and acetaminophen. Um, And Dorothea told the police that Ruth was very depressed because her husband was terminally ill, so they ruled Ruth's death a suicide. Mm. Um, But then a few weeks later, the police had to come back because a, f- a 74-year-old pensioner named Malcolm McKenzie had accused Dorothea of drugging and stealing from him.
1: Whoa. So he
0: had gone to the police and said that he had met Dorothea at a local bar called the Zebra Club Uh-oh. and that they had several drinks together, which I bet means in the 15s. Um, <laughs> then he invites her back to his apartment and soon after they arrive, he gets dizzy. And even though he's conscious, he can't move. And he has to sit and watch as she searches his house for valuables, <gasps> takes his rare penny collection, and forces the diamond ring off his finger.
1: Rare penny. Can we go back to rare penny collection? And I how mean. Fucking cool that is. Yeah. You know, it was like in a oh. cardboard book like this and with all the years beautiful. underneath the slots. That makes me happy. It's um, sad. But ha- well,
0: so she gets convicted of uh, three charges of theft in, on August 18th of 1982, and she gets sentenced to five years in jail for, for that. Wow. Um, what happened to the rare penny collection? I, I, we haven't been able to trace it. <laughs> so we're starting a foundation called findtherarepennies.gov.org. <laughs> dot dot .org. Um, so she's in jail. And she starts being pen pals with a retiree, a 77-year-old retiree named Everson Gilmouth. And they become friends through the mail. Um, And when she's released in 1985, after only serving three years... um, he was there waiting for her hmm. to pick her up from jail in his 1980 Red Ford pickup. And everything was okay. And everything turned great. Um, so soon they were making wedding plans and um, they opened a joint bank account. Nope. And uh, they, were, they were back in her house in Sacramento. Um, now we're cutting to five years later. Dorothea hires a handyman to come and put in some wood paneling in her apartment. And for that work, plus he paid her an additional $800, uh, she gave him a red 1980, 1980 Ford pickup that was in good condition, almost totally not used, um, which she said had belonged to her ex-boyfriend yeah. who lived in Los Angeles. Yeah, where'd she get that? Um, So she asks this handyman... That she hires to build her a six by three by two bo- foot box for her to store, you know, books and stuff As in. you do in a fucking coffin. Yeah, a, bo- a box that you uh, want to store stuff in. Um, and then she asks them once she fills it with her books. I'm mm-hmm. doing air quotes, so you mm-hmm. can't see. Um, she says, oh, Will you please see. take this to my storage depot? And he agrees, and she goes with him, and then on the way, she has him pull over and just has him dump it on a riverbank oh, yeah. at a kind of unofficial dump site. Fuck these books. It sounds unlikely, but again, we did have an unofficial dump site across right. from our apartment. Right, where you put coffin-shaped so boxes. Yes. Books. You know, or or beat another person with a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Whatever needs to happen. Yeah. Um, so the, a lot of dumping going on up in yeah, Sacramento yeah. and Sutter counties. Shit. So, um, <clears throat> so they dump that, uh, and, um, oh, she just told him the stuff in the in the box was junk. Well, on January first, nineteen eighty-six, a fisherman spots the box, um, and it's sitting three feet from the bank of the river. So he calls the police, mm. and they open the box and find a badly decomposed, unidentifiable body of an elderly man inside. Um, Well, it turns out that Dorothea was still collecting Everson Gilmouth's pension. Mm -mm. And she would write letters to his family explaining that um, he hadn't contacted them because he was ill. And um, so he was basically one of her first victims. Um, Now, this was now... Uh, She was renting this apartment all the time. This was her business. And she had 40 new tenants in in the house, in the whole house. Um, uh, She was actually approached by a social worker named Peggy Nickerson. Um, uh, She approached the the social worker and just explained to her, just so you know, if people on fixed incomes, people on Social Security, elderly people – you can, they can come and stay in my boarding house.
1: Everyone's welcome. Yeah.
0: Cause she had the best system to offer. Her prices were really low and she took quote unquote, took care of the people that work that mm. lived there. Cause people so are she, nice. She made dinner every night. She had everybody come down and sit at dinner together. Um, you know, she, like, made sure... There were people that stayed there that were homeless or, like, had oh, mental problems. Man. She made sure they showered and clipped their nails. I and, wish you it know. was real. If it was real, that'd be so beautiful. I mean, yeah, right? That's the that's the whole lure of it, Fuck. is people need that kind of care, and she's saying that she's um, going to be able to provide that mm. for them. Uh, so... Sorry, I keep making that mistake. Um, so... She, uh, she also, she was known for taking tough cases. Like all the social workers were like, you, if it's a person that can't get placed anywhere, you can take them to Dorothea's. She will take them in. Um, and she collected their monthly mail um, before they saw it, she paid them in stipends and then she pocketed the rest of their like social security check or whatever their check was
1: Fuck, for expenses, quote unquote. You got a fucking. Scheme. So, parole
0: agents uh, would go to visit her um, and she had been ordered to stay away from the elderly and what? to refrain from handling government checks.
1: Oh my God. Um,
0: uh, but no violations were ever noted. And they think it's because she was known in like social welfare circles as being so good that they would go in and check and be like, you can't be around old people. You can't stay away from social security checks, but nothing official would ever go in. Yeah. Well, in May of 1988, neighbors started complaining of a sickly, sweet smell. smell. God damn. Oh, maybe that's what's on my fingers. Oh, it's. Oh, that's right. It's the dead bodies you've been hiding. Maybe I'm decomposing. Um, so she blamed the aroma on applications of fish emulsion on her on her perfectly tended lawn uh-huh. and per- tended to the point where if people walked on her lawn, she would scream at them and swear like a sailor. Um, so she was it. very protective of her lawn and yeah. she did a lot of gardening. Um, so. So. So there was a man that stayed at the house and, and people around the neighborhood knew him as chief. He was schizophrenic and he was an alcoholic and he was homeless. When well, he went and stayed with Dorothea, um, she made him her handyman and she cleaned him all up, made sure that he took a shower all the time, like made him presentable, made him come and eat dinner with everybody, um, uh, made him take his, his antipsychotic medication or mm-hmm. his meds. Um, so, she had him digging in the basement and carting soil and rubbish away with a, re- a wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. And um, he basically... There was a concrete slab on her basement floor. He was basically digging up the basement floor. Mm. Um,
1: what do you need it for? Sophia
0: he uh, soon afterwards disappeared. And um, so when uh, there was a, a second... A tenant disappeared. A, def- a developmentally disabled man who had schizophrenia. When his social worker reported him missing, his name was Alberto Montoya. Um, the police came and realized this is this this keeps happening here. So they were looking around and they noticed in the backyard there was there was some ground that was had been recently disturbed. So these investigators went to the car got shovels that were in their car and they started digging and quickly turned up what looked like shreds of cloth and beef jerky oh, is God. the report Ew. Um, and so as they're trying to That's dig and lunch find out too. what's under there um, one of the investigators said that he thought that he hit a tree root and so he was whacking at it and jabbing at it with his shovel no. and it wouldn't move uh, so he de- decides to climb down into the hole where that they had dug up to get to pull it out, and he wrapped his hands around it, braced himself, started pulling, and it broke loose, and it was a a leg bone okay. out of the sock. They
1: had to they had to suspect that at that point, or they wouldn't have been digging, right? Yes. So why are you fucking yanking? Bones? He thought it was a tree root. Come on, though. Like you're looking well, but, for bodies. But if it's well, but I mean they're looking, but.
0: A tree root is the most likely thing that's going to be there. Okay. So, if they, I'm sure that they'd done stuff like that before, and it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that would Get be there of the way. 20% of the time, but yeah. most of the time it's that. Okay. Um, and also, I think w- when bodies that aren't, that are buried just straight into the ground, they turn black
1: and oh. brown. So,
0: it would have probably looked like a tree root, oh. too. Um, so, then they start digging up her whole backyard. Holy shit. And, uh, oh, she came out when he was down in the hole and he had this bone. She came out and when they turned around, they were like, we just found a human bone. She did. They said they she did this thing where she slapped her hands on her face, like really over the top and in like trying to act like she was surprised. Mm-hmm. And they immediately were like, there's something going on. Oh, like, no! that's the weirdest like reaction. Like straight up Home
1: Alone style. Home Alone style, exactly. That's where they got that from. Um, and
0: apparently neighbors said that she always talked about wanting to be an actress and planning on moving to Los Angeles. Oh, she's a bad actress, I guess. Y- yeah, yeah. She needed to take some classes. So, this body that they eventually um, dug up was... a uh, a woman named Leona Carpenter, who was 78 years old, and one of her very, Dorothea's very first victims Mm. that stayed in that house. Um, They basically had, the coroner's office came in with heavy machinery and a whole work crew and just started, and forensic anthropologists, and started digging up this entire backyard. And that, I've seen the news footage (gasps) that's basically taken from the angle of Um, because they couldn't get in. Yeah. So it's basically taken from our back porch. Holy shit. I mean, not literally, I don't know because it was 1988, but they, they shot it over the fence and you see these cops walking around and it's just like the, you (gasps) see a lot of uh, sheets and like the, um, when they put out the string and the stakes, Yeah, you know, like this will be the next area.
1: Oh my God. It's so crazy. I want
0: to see it. So since Dorothea Puentes wasn't immediately Puente, singular, wasn't immediately a suspect. Um what? She I mean like they didn't when they were doing that first digging, it yeah. wasn't like keep her right there. Yeah, yeah. So she said she was gonna go get a cup of coffee at the hotel up the street right. while they were doing that. And then she fucking hightails it to Los Angeles. Well now they know it's you, dude. Uh yeah, but she I mean she left. Yeah. So she thought she was out of there. Yeah. And she and sh- she didn't think they were on to her yeah. the way that they were. So when she gets to Los Angeles, she goes to a bar mm-hmm. and she starts making friends mm-hmm. with an old pensioner who's sitting it. at the bar. She introduced herself as I think it was Donna Johansson. What bar do we know? Uh, it didn't. Oh, God, I wish How It did. Great. The articles I read didn't say it's got to be something that we know something divy maybe yeah. the frolic room frolic room for that's exactly what i was thinking yeah uh but luckily this old pensioner had probably mm-hmm. been sitting at the bar watching the news a bunch for 50 recognized years. her from the news no. and called the cops <gasps> Good so job. they got her down in la and brought her back up um eventually seven bodies were found buried in her backyard
1: Wow.
0: um she was charged with a total of nine murders because they, uh, they, um, traced back the, uh, apparent, the apparent suicide of her old, of Ruth yeah. Monroe. Um, and then, uh, the other guy, the other, uh, the missing guy chief.
1: Oh man, do you think that grandpa, the grandpa, at the frolic room got a reward? I don't know. I bet he did.
0: Um, Here's what's interesting. When detectives were in that backyard, they realized that they were only blocks away from the home of serial killer Morris Solomon where they had dug up from that house a bunch of dead bodies in 1987. Who's
1: he? I don't know him.
0: I have never heard of him either. Whoa. And Sacramento, I just got to say, I mean, like, I've talked about it. I've complained about it. But, like, I must be a little bit right Because we've already had, I think, four serial killers from Sacramento on this show alone. It's chock full of murders. It's nutso. Um, So basically, at the end of the day, she went to trial in February 1993. She was convicted um, of uh, three murders sentenced to two life sentences, um, received life without the possibility of parole, um she went to chow chilla the mm-hmm. ladies facility mm-hmm. um she always said that all of those people died of natural causes uh-huh. and she just buried them there um Jesus. and uh, that she herself at age 82 uh, march 27 2011 died of natural causes in prison wow yeah that's to- our girl girl, Dorothea. That's our hometown girl. She would take their checks, walk across the street to that dive bar and get her money. They cash checks at dive bars? They cash checks at the, they're so, oh, yeah. certain bars that
1: are so divy they will cash your social security right. check for you so like they're like second Friday of every month is like you, you gotta get a couple bartenders on t- staff that's right because well and also it's Sacramento the, like literally the state capitol was
0: blocks away so they know they're getting their money if it's a government check yeah. they know that thing is good So they don't, if it's that little old lady that runs the boarding house, of course, they're going to do
1: her a favor. She brings everyone over and she takes her portion and then she gives it to them. She's so nice. She's taking care of all those people inside that building. A saint. God, what did it smell like in that fucking building? Ooh. In that dive bar, too. I mean, the whole block smelled. I bet it was carpeted. That house? No, the dive bar. Oh, yes, for sure. Like dark maroon. Yeah, like thin, dark maroon, like bowling alley carpet.
0: I bet they had like a, uh, it was a pretty small and they had a pool table that was too close to one wall. So then they had to cut a pool cue in half so that you you could shoot from that side of the table. Is that what they do?
1: I've never seen that. I've seen it in dive bars. I guess I have not been in like real dive bars then. You got to
0: become a full blown alcoholic. It is so
1: fun. I went to one full-blown, like, real, real dive bar in um, Savannah, Georgia, but, like, on the outskirts of it, and I was like, oh, this isn't an, a charming L.A. dive bar. There's a Confederate flag on the wall, and yeah, I'm no. the only Jew who's ever been in here, and That's I just right.
0: fucking left. They should have taken your picture and put it up behind <laughs> the bar. That was terrifying. Um, wow. Yeah. That's so sad. I mean... It's crazy. And when you sit, when you saw her on the news, like she was on the news all the time. Oh, I want to see her picture. I totally remember it. She looks like a cartoon of a little old lady. No, like Bi- not even big glasses. She's really short, gray hair, the whole thing. You how would did, never think. How it. did she kill everyone? Just she just dra- poison them or drug poison, them. Poison. I. I mean, I think so. Wow. Yeah. Oh
1: man. Well. That's fucked up. Pretty fucked up. Okay, so now we're ending the show on we're ending on a positive now that's right one really great thing that happened to us this past week right right so do you have yours Uh, do Uh, you have yours sure Uh, a really great thing is that I hung out Sunday evening with a girlfriend that I I like a lot and we've gotten to know each other a lot but we uh, like had this great deep conversation like we hang out with a lot of people together her name's Crystal but she and I sat at a bar and just fucking talked and we're like I'm not very happy and just like we're very open with each other in a way that's like hard to do, find when you're an adult is someone to like be really open with and and just you know who understands you and you guys can get each other and that's that's hard to do and we just had this really great conversation and I felt a lot better after it and kind of feel like I've made a, a friend oh nice. that I don't have for a long time it's like kind of a, a deeper connection and it was nice that's great yeah that's very good it's yours it's all that matters yeah, they say in
0: human connection is really it's nothing else makes people actually happy except for connecting with other human beings. Really? Yeah.
1: Bullshit. Um
0: I guess mine is that I don't well, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that cuz it's it sucks because uh, all I've been doing is working, so yeah. all most of mine are uh work-based, which is a little bit lame. But well, you know what? I'll I can Okay, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You just can't. Um, But, I mean, it's like when you have one thing to talk about. Whereas people are like, hey, what's up with you? It's like, just don't bother asking. (laughs) It doesn't matter. But there's a guy that's a guest star. I guess I just won't say his name. And then Mm -hmm. when when the show's actually on, I can say it. But um, he's on my episode. And he's so funny. It's like the most delightful (laughs) thing in the world. I mean, everybody on this show is really good. And I'm very excited for this show to come out. Because I think people are really going to like it. But... This one guy is hilarious and he looks like the guy that I adored in high school. Mm. So it makes it even more fun to watch him because it's like it almost looks like a weird mix, like a mashup. Like you're rooting for him already because. Yes. Mm. But then on top of that, it's the kind of thing where you can't it's like single camera, like you can't laugh out loud when things are happening because they need like perfect quiet. And I have to keep my hand over my mouth. He's so funny.
1: Wow. And that's the shit you've written, too. Uh, yeah, some of it. Yeah. I mean, some of it. But
0: um, but at one point I went up, I had to finally introduce myself because I was actually, ner- he was so funny that I was nervous to, I didn't want to be like, hey, what's up on the road or whatever. I was just kind of like trying to stay away. And when I finally did go up to introduce myself, I said, I in my head, I thought I was going to say, you know, like, you're great mm-hmm. or today's been so great mm-hmm. or something like that. But what came out was, you're being so funny. <laughs> and the second the last word of that sentence came out of my mouth, I just turned and walked away. So I was just like,
1: I, hopefully I just won't have to talk to him I can't anymore. wait till this cuts and I get to find out who it is.
0: Yes. It's, I mean, it's. Uh, some people may have seen him before, but it's not. he's not well known. Okay. Um, I don't feel like I'm not telling you until it airs either. You won't tell me. Yeah, we'll keep it a, a huge secret until next spring because <laughs> it's a mid season replacement.
1: Um, well, thanks for listening, you guys. This is, oh, we never introduced what the show was. This oh, is, d- my, no one knows? No one oh, knows. that's too bad. <laughs> this is my favorite murder. This is
0: what the fuck with Mark Marin.
1: <laughs> thanks for Mark listening. I'm Marin. <laughs> um, go to Twitter, my fave murder, Instagram, my favorite murder. We're on Facebook at uh, MFM Podcast. Our shirts. MyFavoriteMurderShirts.com. Everything. Thank you so much for listening and supporting
0: and being active, involved people. We love it. It's very fun. You
1: guys are the best, and this is so great. Um, Stay sexy. Don't get murdered. Elvis, you want a cookie? Want a cookie? Awesome. The answer's yes. (laughs)